Hello, I'm Dan. And I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Daniel, we're talking about mascot, parentheses, Sternwheeler. Whoa. Yeah. Sternwheeler. Oh, oh I'm the Sternwheeler. Oh, weiß mein Handy. Weiß mein Sternwheeler. My mascot is kaput. Uh, yeah, hello, oh, everyone. Just, hello uh, to all our German quickly listeners. Af- quickly offend our German listeners there. Very fine. <laughs> Very good. Um, yes, uh, this is a... It's a boat. I see. It's 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 a steamboat. And it's got... Like, I, I randomised on this article. And, I, you know, I I saw the... Uh, there was a picture of a boat. And there was this this blurb at the top. And I thought, great, it's going to be quite... Quite a short article, and then I scrolled down. This thing goes on forever. This this thing has a huge Wikipedia article. You grieve. Um, it is a uh, so a stern wheeler is a, a a boat that is driven by a wheel at the back at the stern. That's that's mm-hmm. that's why it's called that. And it was built uh, a steamboat built in 1890, Ooh. which primarily operated between Portland, Oregon, uh, down the Willamette and Columbia rivers to points on. The Lewis and Lake Rivers, so I guess there's sort of tributaries, um, including towns in in Washington State, basically. Um, And I I am still confused as to why it has such a big article, because it was built in 1890, it burned down in 1911, and apparently in those 21 years, it captured a bunch of hearts sufficient to merit a Wikipedia article. Gosh. Um, It was described as the prime example of a jobbing boat. (laughs) A what? Sorry, a jobbing boat. <laughs> oh right, you did say that. Yeah, okay. that's, that's that's what he thought. Um, I assume that means that it's just the kind of boat that you would contract as if you were a D and D party. You would find mm. a transport, you know, and it would, sure. it would it would take you somewhere, and it could take, take whatever cargo you need. Um, so the yeah. the picture that it has is, I mean, to give give the readers at home some sense of what we're talking about here, I would estimate. Actually, I don't need to estimate. I am almost certain it's going to have the length of it somewhere. Um, it was a hundred and thirty feet long, with a depth of five feet. Oh no, sorry, that's the depth by the waterline. So uh, the uh, the beam is twenty. It's a very very <laughs> very shallow the depth of five feet. Uh, and its beam is twenty four feet. So you know it's about a hundred by twenty five feet, or in actual sensible units, about thirty by sort of ten ish meters. Um, Sean Connery's favorite sport. <laughs> and the picture that they have is uh, it's being loaded with cordwood. Uh, probably on the Lewis River. Cordwood? Yeah, cordwood. Never heard of cordwood. I have to admit, I haven't either. Uh, it's... Oh, I see. It's just wood piled or sold in cords, as in tied tied together. Oh, I see. Um, not, by, not, not my preferred fabric for clothing. No, uh, I, I think if you were to, to give me a piece of clothing made out of wood, I would be... I'd be pretty miffed. <laughs> not going to mm. lie. Wood underpants, for example... Don't get them in a knot. Speaking of, here we go. First weird, <clears throat> first weird tangent of today. I was in a class uh, yesterday on campus for real estate law. You were never, um, and I was. I really was. And um, I, uh, we, we were talking about the various forms of surveying and checks that need to be um, 
done before buying a house or buying buying land you know and mm. and it, there's this incredibly ridiculous sort of extensive list of things that you want to check um and it came up in conversation that you know there's, all, there's lots of sort of safety searches too and we were going through the various names of these checks and surveys and where you find the forms and who you send the forms to and how to fill them out and blah 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 um and we were talking about asbestos and it reminded me of and now which king was it I have there are so many directions you go in with the stand that I have no clue. There was a famous king. Hang on. Basically, I'll look up the king in a minute, but he had a coat made of asbestos. Oh. And the party trick that he would do is is through a through dining on an evening, he would he would soil this coat more and more with wine and food and mud and God knows what else. And then at the, at, toward the end of the evening, to clean it, he would remove the coat and throw it in a fire. Oh, and of course, because it's a fire retardant. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah, it might yeah. have been Charlemagne. Yes, I think you're right. Yes, it was Charlemagne. Just, just give it. me a quick Google. Wow. Which is just terrifying. Oh, no. Ah, no, that's interesting. Um, there's a... Uh, he, he had a tablecloth made out of asbestos, and there was a Han Dynasty general in China who had an asbestos dinner jacket. Ah. <laughs> uh. Wow. Well, there we are. Oh, that's interesting. Nobles were cremated in asbestos shrouds, so their ashes would not mix with the cinders of the fire. Interesting. Wow. That's kind of... You're just being cooked at that point. You're not really burning. Sauteed. Sauteed nobleman. Um, And also, I was looking up clothes made out of wood. How ridiculous. It turns out there is actually a company called... Um, wild, spelt W-I-J-L-D, uh, that makes clothes out of wood pulp. And they just look like regular clothes. They don't look like, you know... Like clogs. Yeah. <laughs> clogs. <laughs> the clothing version of clogs. Yeah. I've got a, I have got quite like clogs. I'd love to have a good pair of clogs. Absolutely. I don't know when I would wear them, but there's there's something satisfying about having a totally rigid set of footwear. When, um, when, I, was at, when I lived in the Netherlands at the... Um, the British school in the Netherlands, um, we were, you would be given, when you left the school, um, you would be given a wooden clog that your classmates would all sign, and inside the clog was sort of filled with sort of Dutch mementos and things. Ah. Oh, which sweet. is quite sweet. So going back to this boat, because I actually do want to learn a bit more about this. I'm, I am interested about this. Mm. Um, so it was this prime example of a jobbing boat, and it was in operation from 1890 to 1911, which was apparently a relatively long time for a vessel of its type, built entirely out of wood, foreshadowing for it burning down in 1911. Yeah. Um, although Mascot was profitable, it had a series of sinkings and other accidents that gave it the reputation as a hoodoo boat, that is, a jinxed vessel. Oh, right. Much of this reputation was simply newspaper derision, but there were also se- several fatal incidents including at least two apparent suicides or attempted suicides and two instances of fatalities to crew members. It was a cursed boat, Dan. I see. And looking on the inside, this this is a really cool art. Like, this is a little nugget of, uh, you know, a little nugget of, um, of US history that's just sort of... I, I can guarantee there'll be a couple of people who uh, found out about this and just made it their mission to document everything to do with this boat and get it on Wikipedia. Like, it's just one... It, it gives me that, those vibes, for sure. Like, like a historical reenactment society would, you know, make it their mission to find everything that they could possibly find out about this. It's very... So it was the sort of the steam, but it was a steamboat. You were saying, yeah, steam. So it had a pa- and it had a, a a wheel at the back, like a paddle wheel. So yeah, so it's the sort of 
steamboat equivalent of the Mary Celeste. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, except it wasn't abandoned. They they kept even though they knew it was well, okay. They didn't know it was cursed, but you know what I mean. Like they, uh, yeah. they 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 kept using it. Weird. And then there's here we go. Oh, okay. Historical remembrance. Um, <laughs> Captain Walter C. Monocle. So, Captain Walter C. Monocle here, see, uh, who had been a waiter on the mascot at the age of 15 in the early 1890s, became the master of the Veteran Steamboatmen Association in 1943. And wow. presumably that's where like a lot of this has come from. Like It was like, I remember that boat. Um, and a monument, including a one-dimensional steel model of mascot, was set up in Woodland in 2009. A one-dimensional model is a line. You mean a two-dimensional model. Like right. a one-dimensional model. It's literally just a line. It's how long something yeah. is. Unless that is what it is, and I'm just being derisive. Oh, here we go. It has its own website, lewisriver.com slash mascot. Not loading very quickly. Don't know if that's actually still a website. Um, and there's a kerosene lantern from the mascot in the collection of uh, North Clark County Historical Museum in Washington. <coughs> Bless you. Have you got a cold, Dan? Thank you. Yeah, I've got a bit of a cold. It's not, um, it's not great. I'm trying not to hack and wheeze uh, through this podcast, but it's, um, it's a bit of a struggle. But go on, the model. Oh no, I haven't been able to find out anything else. I think they, I think it, that's a mistake. I think they mean it's a oh, okay. two-dimensional. But model. don't go on, not the model. <laughs> oh, this is great. This article is one of my favourites we've ever had. There's like a great picture, a posed photograph on 1900 they think of the the crew and the officers and they're all wearing like mm-hmm. well i assume the officers are the ones wearing like these uh, kind of bowler hats um and you know all the all the the people who would work in the engine room have got like flat caps and mustaches and half of them are Amazing. chomping cigars this is good. there's two guys who are having a very intimate moment it appears as if they're lighting cigars off of one another ah uh, yes it's yeah this uh, beautiful. I I just I I am bamboozled. I love that this is so detailed. And if you ask me any question, I could probably get you the answer to it. But yeah, I I I just I'm a bit confused as to why. Have you ever been on a steamboat? I assume I must have done. It's the kind of thing that you would do as a kid. Surely your parents would take you and on a holiday or something. Yeah, and because you've yeah. been an agreeable boy, they would let you go see the steamships. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a meme. You've been a, the, you've been a green, agreeable boy, Simon. <laughs> oh, mother! Mother, mother and I, mother and I, bought you two tickets to the steamboat. Oh, Come on yeah. now. Can I have my ice? <laughs> We've bought you this memento. It's a one-dimensional model. It's a, it's a line, Papa. It's a line. <laughs> I, I do regret giving you those geometry classes at such a young age. <laughs> Incredible. I don't know whether I've ever been on a steamboat. It's not the kind of thing that comes up every day. You know. Although, actually, I say that, I think it's exactly the kind of thing I would have done when we were sort of visiting family in Yorkshire or something, going up the river. Yeah, if you were going to the Lake District or something. I mean, hang on, yeah. steamboats in the UK, where, how many of them even... Oh, God, there's quite a few. Oh, no, these are all historical ones. There's a big, this is a big Wikipedia article. Uh, there's a lot of steamships that have, that have, uh, have you know, existed within the UK at some point. Um I wonder if there's an, a, a HMS or an... Oh, no, because it'd be SS. It'd be Steamship, wouldn't it? Is there an SS Daniel? I have a quick look. I hope so. No. But that might deliver the wrong results. You might not be looking at steamboats. You may be looking at a particularly <laughs> corduroy-clad <laughs> member of the... Uh, <laughs> of a second <coughs> Second World War. 
I I am um, I'm looking at the, the page and that you'd be somewhere between the MV Doronia. That's not even a steamship. That's an oil tanker. Um or the Davara, a steam fishing trawler. I'm afraid that there is no Daniel. That's sad. Is there an Exeter? What about what about Moor? Moor, let's have a look. Uh the Great Moor. Um Macclesfield. Uh, Malakand. There's two Malakands actually. Um Malmo, Hyridian. Um Maori, Marietta. No. Apparently there was a famous fleet. There was a fleet of four Imperial One-class Star Destroyers <laughs> by, by Grand Moff Wilhof Tarkin, which was called the Moor Fleet, to guard <laughs> Moor installation under the command of Admiral Dala. But the Emperor Palpatine Surgery Construction Centre. <laughs> yeah. The ships included were the Gorgon, the Basilisk, the Hydra and the Manticore, and two Crusader-class corvettes. Who are called uh, Frank and Dave. Wookie, Wookiepedia. Thank you so much. Never in human history has so much effort gone into something that matters so little. So little. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, good grief. I, 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 I feel like we haven't done this justice, this article. I, I wanna get, but, like, it's a bloody boat. It's, it's a... I mean, just, just the... Let me, let me read you the, the, the section titles so you can get an idea of what I'm looking at right now. You've got Construction, mm -hmm. Dimensions... Engineering, route, early career, operations in the later 1890s, snag problems on the Lewis River, hoodoo boat, low snag problems, as in sausages sinking. I think I think they mean they hit some snags. Sausages, Simon. <laughs> sausages, sausage, wolves. Um, <laughs> uh, snag problems, hoodoo boat, low water on the rivers, later business rivals, ice on the river. Deckhand Drowned, Later History of the First Mascot, Reconstruction, Service on the Upper Willamette River, Labour Economics, Disposition and Historical Remembrance. A lot of those could be album titles. Labour Economics, yeah. That's got to be a. There was one about title. something. Was there a drowning? Yeah, Deckhand Drowned. That's a that's a heavy metal album. Deckhand Drowned sounds like a, 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 a bluegrass single. <laughs> it's got a big sort of banjo introduction. Well, got a dick hanging around. I was a stern wheel boat on the Mississippi River. <laughs> my dick hanging around and then I burned down, but then I got rebuilt and then my wife left me. Absolutely. And then because it's a bluegrass um, country western song, you've got to sing about a dog dying. Yeah. Um, you've got to sing how much sing about how much you love your pickup truck. Yep. Um, Get Jesus in there. other things. Absolutely. Just, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Liberal coating of butter like Jesus all over that song. <laughs> How are <it>. you, Dan? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I've got this. I've got a horrible cold, uh, and uh, it's very frustrating, and I am constantly looking at BBC News, at the frankly terrifying and dreadful situation currently unfolding in the Ukraine. Um, yeah, um, which is just horrific. I mean, at time of recording, I think you know Simon and I were mentioning before mm. we started. We do want to, you know, we don't want to linger on it uh, too much because I'm sure we're all too far aware of of, of of what's going on. But our our thoughts and and prayers and sympathies go out to um, anybody in Ukraine. In fact, I was looking last night on our podcast sort of analytics, um, and we do actually have listeners in the Ukraine. So I do hope that you're keeping as safe as you can and. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Please do, please do stay safe. Um, mm. And it's, I mean, at the time of recording, the, the, the latest news is, is that uh, Russian forces on the edge of Kiev. And yeah. that, you know, it, it, it's something that we, we can, that all that we can do at this point is, as individuals, is kind of watch aghast and just, just hope that people stay safe. Yeah. But in other momentous news that is also depressing, you're a year older, Dan. I am. I'm 25 years old. 20, a quarter is, century. Which is crazy. Did you do anything fun for your birthday? I I spent the entire day working because I was very, very busy. And then I spent the evening in three different pubs and it was great. And uh, when were we supposed to record this episode, Dan? Well, look, I mean, we can argue to and fro about, you know... Was it the morning uh, after formalities. you went to the pub? Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, what really is the morning after, Simon? You know, I think life is life is a journey, isn't it? And I think it's important that we don't sort of separate and impose um, ridiculous... Yeah, okay, right, okay. So we were meant to record it on Tuesday morning, morning after my 25th birthday. Um, but at the time that I, I, I woke up and sort of shrieked to myself at how dreadful I felt, and then my phone buzzed, and <laughs> Simon said... Your eyes pop open, and just yeah. a bit of Simon said, ready when you are, and I went, mm, no, I don't think... <laughs> Don't think you will be. <laughs> um, so yes, we're recording a, a couple of days later instead, um, which is fine. So it's a, but that's it's all right. A birthday present that's to you, fine. Dan. It's 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 my way of yeah. saying happy birthday. Have a have a nice lion. We'll we'll do this later. <laughs> awfully awfully good of you. Oh, I've just had a message from the NHS asking if I would like saying you're old, lol. A, a flu vaccination. Is, is twenty five the limit that you get that? I don't think I've ever Booking had a flu. open to yeah. all patients who want one and are over the age of 18 while stocks last. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, 25 would seem like a very odd time to, 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 I don't know, to get on the flu. I, I always think of that as something that, that is for middle-aged people, really. Apparently they messaged me on the 2nd of February, but that clearly just went unnoticed. I was clearly doing something. Ah, quite possible. Well, you know, the thing is, Dad, you're mm. so lazy. You just do so little. I, I don't know how you could possibly miss a single message. If anything, I've got too much time on my hands. I'm feeling I'm feeling lethargic and exhausted because I've got nothing to do. Mm. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that the sheer amount of things I'm trying to juggle at the moment are meaning that I'm starting to burn out slightly. Um, it can't be that. You know, it just can't be. No, that'd be silly. No, ridiculous. Well, speaking of, of not being silly, do you have a, a sillily good recommend uh, uh, it's not a transition that works do you watch your core piece of the week dan and this will be my piece of the week drum roll please well once again i'm going to sort of cheat depart from but yeah depart from the sort of the standard and the norm and if that means I'm... cheating that that's like russian athletes oh, oh god i can't say that <laughs> It's like, it's like athletes saying we've somewhat departed from you know the norm of the sport, and what other people are saying you've blood doped. That's what you've done. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're cheating. I was recommended some listening, and in fairness, it was a piece that I haven't heard for a long time, um, and it was wonderful to listen to just to sort of escape for a bit, um, given everything that's sort of going on at the moment, and, and just feeling overwhelmed in every sense of the word. Um, so there is. You know, there is there are voices in this, but it's but it's a symphony, mm. and it is it's Vaughan Williams' A Sea Symphony. Oh yeah, which is just fantastic. I I do like Vaughan Williams' stuff. He's, he wrote some really really good stuff. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't come across Vaughan Williams, he's fascinating. 
um, and I, I really urge you to do so. But my piece of the week, let's say, um, is is going to be Vaughan Williams' A Sea Symphony. Just you know, get a good set of headphones, sit down with a you know, with a with a drink in a dark room, and just let it literally wash over you, because um, it's just it's just wonderful. I just feel I know I've said this several times on the show before, but I do feel like I I struggle to find new music that that I can experience in that way. I think so much of when I'm experiencing new music is very surface level. Like to actually find a piece that you can just sort of sit and, as you say, sort of get into a dark room, get a good pair of headphones, and just luxuriate in it. Like it's yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know if this is just the way that our society works and in, in how we treat music as something that is increasingly kind of frivolous. It's something you just have on yeah in the background you know it's never this focus of attention unless you're going to a gig um i think it's a skill and a rarity to actually really sort of truly actively listen mm. you know just not just sort of listen to something and because you like you know so for instance i've been really enjoying listening back to old sort of classic tracks um that have been recently sort of up updated on streaming services with dolby atmos mm. Um, and so like very, very high quality streams and putting a pair of headphones on and really listening to um, the Beatles' uh, Sgt. Pepper's mm. album, for instance. Um, or, or you know, go back, going back and listening to Queen Greatest Hits, but on a, a really high quality. And just listening to the, the amount of detail in there is incredible. And the same is true of, of I think, classical music too. The more you listen... Um, I'm a big fan of listening to... I don't know whether you've listened to... Um, Vivaldi's Four Seasons recomposed by Max, Max Richter. Richter. Yeah. I, I, which I, is great. And that's a wonderful one to really just sit down and properly listen, in, listen to because it gets, you know, especially um, especially spring, hmm. um, you've got these sort of, you know, you've got sort of strings in in, in canon almost, if you like, and, it, and, and, and it's the most sort of wonderful trance-like effect. Um, and there's a, there's actually a version created. that I, I discovered relatively recently on a similar vein, uh, which is the cello suites, but the Bach suites for cello, solo cello recomposed by Peter Gregson. And that's mm. for multiple cellos and a synthesizer, I think. Um, Ooh, that sounds good. And it's really good in, in the same way that I was I was explicitly looking for something that was like the, the Max Richter Vivaldi because I've, li- I've listened to that quite a lot. And it's one of those things that I would quite frequently have on in the background whilst I'm working. Um, Who did you say was that again? By Peter Gregson. It's on Spotify. I'm not sure if it'll be on Apple Music. I assume it is. Um, and that's all six cello suites. I mean, and I, I love... Oh, yeah, I've, I've got it. I, I, I really know, because I played it myself, the first suite, and I adore mm. the sixth suite. Um, the stuff in the middle is a bit more take it or leave it, frankly. The third suite's fun. Um, but the sixth suite in particular is is, is a personal favourite. So that if, if I'm recommending something now, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend, um, recommend that, really. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, I'm adding that to my library. I'm going to listen to that later today, I think. Tell you what, actually, I mean, uh, this is... Uh, 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 let, sorry, let's actually jump into Critics' Corner, because this is definitely more a Critics' Corner thing. Hmm. Oh, really, really, really. So, uh, continuing that sort of music discussion, um, I have recently... Well, there's, there's two things I've been listening to a lot of on, on Spotify, um, one of which is I've I, I never really lost them, but I've... I've reappreciated. I'm not rediscovered. I've reappreciated gorillas, um, mm-hmm. and because I can't remember what sparked it, but I, I think we were. T- I, th- I was talking to somebody about the kind of the albums that defined our teenage years, and for me, 
Demon Days by Gorillaz was absolutely that album. I, I, I listened to it so many times to the point where I still know the track numbers for the, the best tracks because, you know, it was on a CD player, so you'd have to learn the numbers. Um, and it just sort of got me thinking, of, oh, yeah, I, I, I should listen to them again. And then there's so much stuff they've put out since. Um, mm. And, and I, I, I guess I just sort of lost touch with them a little bit. But, God, the... The, the quality of what they've done is astonishing this it's so varied and so good um i don't I, what if if that's my kind of like teenage album what albums or albums do you think would sort of define your teenage experience Ooh, what a question i have incredibly fond memories so if i was working back my late teens but while i was at school not at university hmm. so i would have been I don't know, 16, 17. I have very, very vivid memories of holidaying with the family I was staying with in Australia um, up near Port Douglas, which is on the sort of... It's near Ayers Rock. Eastern, yeah. No, no, no. It's um, (laughs) eastern, northeastern coast um, uh, up from Cairns. It's beautiful. Um, And I would listen to a lot of Bastille. Oh, okay. Um, and got sort of very, very into into that. In fact, so much so that I heard them live later that year, um, which would have been 2013. Is, is, 2013, is Bastille, what was their big track? Was that Pompeii? Yes, it was. Yeah. And then, oh gosh, you know, it's it's hard. I, I listened to a I had quite an eclectic mix. Mm. Um, I think it's easier possibly for my generation because it wasn't on streaming services. It was... Um, all on CDs, you know. It was actually all. Well, you had discs. to go to you had to go to music halls, didn't you? Yeah, um, you had to wait for your, them to, in your day. You had to wait for them to actually come through. We hadn't invented permanent music recording, but by my teenage right. years, it was well. Music as a sort of concept was relatively new. I think if I'm, I think I'm right in saying you were actually sort of one of the foremost pioneers of, of the bone flute, of the, the sort of concept. Yeah, I, know? I, I was the person that introduced the bone flute into the Western canon. I um, thought you said you were the skin flute. Uh, oh, no, that was a separate thing. That wasn't music. Uh, oh, that wasn't me. Oh, I was also a pioneer, but um, we we can't really talk about that one on the pod. No, no. But, that's for the uh, that's for the separate podcast that's released on the OnlyFans. If you'd like to check out the <laughs> Only Dan's, <laughs> Only Dan's. <laughs> it's just Dan talking to himself in a room for an hour. Yeah. To anybody else? No, Only Dan's. All right, okay. I'm going through my Spotify now. I'm trying to f- sort of pick out the albums because I, I know it wasn't just Gorillaz, like, and and it's impossible to sort of pin it down to just one album. Um, mm. Oh, um, Stadium Arcadium by Red Hot Chili Peppers. That was another one that I I I listened to a lot, and I had the double side. I listened to quite a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Actually, I listened to a lot of Chili Peppers, a lot of um, Snow Patrol, uh, quite a lot of Keen. Keen, um, that's a name I've not heard in a while. Um, Squeeze, remember Squeeze? No, no. Squeeze. So Squeeze was definitely like before my time, but um, my mother's got a really outstanding sort of musical um, knowledge, sort of pop music and things. Um, I mean, I suppose I'm also saying this in the sense of the thing because I think there's a difference between music you listen to when you're a kid because that's basically the music of your parents. You 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 grow up in the sonic environment that your parents curate for you and. Exactly. For me, exactly. that was a lot of. It was Queen. It was Meatloaf, um, Abba, quite a, a, a bit of classical stuff as well. From for, especially from my mum's side, but it was a lot of that sort of seventies and eighties rock. Um, and then when you're a teenager, you're like, "Yeah, screw you, mum and dad. I'm going to start listening to slightly different music that's largely the same, and it's kind of just a logical yeah. continuation." 
So, yeah, yeah. you know, like that's where Gorillas and Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, Green Day. I, I don't think I actually ever owned um, American Idiot because that was the album when I was a kid. I remember. I wasn't a huge Green Day person, I must admit. Really? I, I enjoy their stuff. I enjoy the stuff now, but I, I didn't listen to it sort of at the time. I think it was a bit um, too cool for me. I remember my friend John had a really, had like a, the American Idiot hoodie he had like the the, the hand holding the, the grenade the hand, heart grenade oh yeah and i was like oh, i'd never be able to wear that that's too cool <laughs> like, what my what my parents say <laughs> i was i was so worried about disappointing them like i couldn't i couldn't go out and buy the album or anything that'd be, that'd be too much yeah but it's yeah so so that's sort of been a, a musical discovery or rediscovery recently yeah. uh the other thing which is sort of a, a general public service announcement that i'd like to sort of put out there is um uh, recently i've been listening to whilst working i've sort of been trying to find new working music um and i found that the composer for kurzgesagt videos um oh, yeah. uh, epic mountain is on spotify so all of the soundtracks to kurzgesagt in in a nutshell videos um are on spotify and they're really good, sort of chill, kind of uh, kind of synthy, poppy kind of, but definitely designed to be background music. Um, and they're perfect for working too. So I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Um, I, oh. I really, really rate them. And it's, it's good music. Like, I'd love to be in a position where I could pay somebody to write music for my, <laughs> for my videos. Absolutely. It's just so expensive. It's like, it can run into like hundreds of pounds for every minute that you get someone mm. to compose. Well, you know, rightly, yeah. because it's... <laughs> You know, it's it's a skill. it's a skill. Yeah, but yeah, that that's sort of been. I, I try to th- rack. Oh, oh no, I have another big. I have another big discovery. But I will let you, Dan. What 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 have you been listening to, playing, watching, reading, enjoying recently? What have I been doing? To be honest, you're not at time. I really haven't been. I've hardly been watching anything. I I listen to podcasts constantly, and I sort of keep them on a loop of sort of fairly sort of similar things. Um. As far as I don't watch terrestrial television anymore, um, I haven't really seen anything. I've recently been back through and watched all four Shrek films. Oh wow! Um, which has been great fun um, with a with a friend of mine. And I think the next thing that we're going to watch, we we want to do the Spy Kids films again. Which I think is exciting. Fun. Okay, yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. I've well, seen one and two. Did, they did. Oh no, they did three D as well, didn't they? Or was that? Yeah, and they did a. Then they did a fourth one, which had different kids in, but then used as a cameo the kids from the first sort of trilogy uh, right. later on because they'd grown up. Because that's what happens to people. Yeah, they, um, they get older, Dan. They do, don't they? Don't they just? <laughs> I am inevitable. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So the the thing that I have been. And I actually finished. I, I was introduced to this and finished it within a couple of days. Um, was uh, the Legend of Vox Machina? So this is uh, the, the the first critical role Dungeons and Dragons campaign that sort of exploded and, and became like this this huge D and D thing. And they've now done yeah. multiple campaigns since. Um, they they did a Kickstarter. I think two years ago now, I want to say. Um, and it was, I think, the most popular Kickstarter of all time. They raised, I, I think, about $8 million. It might have been $11 million. It was it was nuts. Um, and all that they wanted originally was, the, we want to do like an animated special of, uh, you know, a, a hitherto unseen adventure that our characters went on. And people liked that idea so much that they then got the budget to do a... 12 i think it is 12 episode series 
all animated. Yeah. Um, and it's basically an anime. It's 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 D and D done as an anime and with professional voice actors, including the people who playing critical role and they're all professional voice actors but also including some incredible guest talent like david tennant is a voice in it um they're great rory, rory Mc, no not rory mcgrath he's a com, he's a comedian uh the guy who plays the hound in game of thrones um oh yeah he, he's in it um stephanie beatrice um from brooklyn 99 she's in it like it, it's the, the actual production level is really really high and i was introduced to mm. it by my friend emily bates who plays infinity in um our, the RP Geeks campaign that we do on Wednesdays on Twitch. If you're not aware, by the way, I do a D&D uh, campaign where I'm playing a, um, a, a cybernetically enhanced monk who in 5e rules we're classing as a uh, a dwarf monk. Um, but it, it, Emily, when I was staying over at hers for a, for a gig, she she showed me the first couple of episodes and I just, I'm not an anime fan like at all. I, I tried anime before and I just didn't really enjoy it. But there was something about this, and I think it was the storytelling, really, that just really sucked me in. And um, I finished the entire series uh, to the point where I was on a train on mobile data, desperately trying <laughs> to to get enough data to, to finish the episode, like the last episode. Um, and I would highly recommend it. If people like D&D, if people like sort of that sort of fantasy storytelling, um, it's a hard recommendation from me. I really enjoyed it in a way that I did not expect to at all. And now I'm desperately waiting for the second season to eventually be announced. <laughs> mm. I mean, are you an anime fan? I don't think we've ever really talked about anime. I've watched bits. Um, I'm a big fan of the... I quite enjoy the art style. I don't think I've really... I had a friend at school and he got me into Cowboy Bebop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um which was really good. Um, and then what's the food one? A food anime? Yes, a food food anime. A lot of Studio Ghibli films have a lot of food in, but I can't think of an anime. Um, okay, so it, it'll be here, as I say. Um, it's a bit of a... Yeah, there's a Vice article about it. And the Vice article is titled, I can't stop watching this weirdly sexual cooking-themed anime. <laughs> Hang on, have you ever eaten some... Yes, all right. Vice, give me the name. Give me the wretched name. Ah, Food Wars. Food Wars. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. I haven't watched... I've watched maybe sort of five or six episodes of it. Um, and it's a sort... Yeah, it's not... Yeah, no, it's it's weird. It's just weird. Um, yeah, I have... Like, having... <laughs> Having that description of it, I can, in the abstract, understand what it is, but I have no clue how you fit those different topics together of <laughs> it's anime and it's food and it's sexual. Like, if you could remove one of those things, it could make sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's very sexual. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Oh, and Death Note. Yeah, I, I've watched a bit of Death Note. Oh, okay. What do you think of that? Yeah, pretty good, actually. I mean, I like, you know, once you get over the sort of the style of the form, I guess, you know, um, it's not it's not terrible. You know, I spent a while with my old housemate and we watched the entirety of Avatar The Last Airbender. I've heard some really, really good things about Avatar. Yeah, the and actually it's great. It's really good. You get some sort of like, especially later on, you get some real sort of filler 
for like episode after episode is just sort of like you know nothing really happens but it's you know it's it's good i've been trying somebody's been telling i mean this isn't anime i appreciate but as far as animated series go um people have been urging me to watch the clone wars series is, is that michael graham has been telling you to do that that is that is michael graham yeah <laughs> Now I've heard this too because it's it's um it's Tar- no not Tarkovsky what's the name? The, the the director of it is like a the the, the style is it's very stylized it's not your normal yeah you know animation sort of it's not Disney basically um so I, I'd be curious to watch it the, the other thing which I've been told and I'm sure we'll get some angry people in the Discord telling me um, join the Discord if people haven't by the way if you're listening um, is I haven't watched Arcane and I, I like ha- having now given Vox Machina a go and really enjoyed that. Um, and sort of push that boundary of the stuff that I'm watching, I think I will do Arcane next because I've heard so many good things about it. Um, mm. Yeah. Like, I just... I need to get out of this rut of just watching Star Trek. And I think Vox Machina has just pulled me out and been like, look, there's other things on Netflix. You can watch other things. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I could just watch another 40 minutes of largely predictable sci-fi. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And we find ourselves again in Patreon Corner, that time in the podcast where we say an enormous thank you to those who support us on Patreon. Simon, what is Patreon? A Patreon is the method by which the show functions. It pays for our our wonderful editor, Fergus. Uh, If you want to learn more about Fergus, by the way, um, his website is actually linked now in the description. Um, So if you you want to get him to do some editing for you, uh, please please do. Steal him from us. Steal him away. Absolutely. Um, But but, yeah, basically, patreon.com forward slash thewikicast is what pays for for Fergus to edit our show. It pays for our hosting. And there's a little bit left over every month, which we have been putting aside, and we're all going to spaff on an eventual video when Dan has time and he can come up and, and, and do some filming with me, um, which hopefully will be easier in the next not very long. And for reasons that I cannot say on the podcast, but I need to talk to you. Well, actually, you know the reason, Dan. Um, mm, I do. And it's uh, very exciting. But uh, yes, hopefully very, that, very exciting. Hopefully, it'll be a bit easier going forwards. But yes, that is what a Patreon is. Patreon, Patreon it's like, it's like if, 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 well, I say if, this podcast is a, is a sort of single cell organism. You know, it's not it's not particularly In brain power. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So consider Patreon the sort of the mitochondria. You know, it's it's oh. our it's our powerhouse. Oh, God, he's good. And and I, you know, you've you've got our two hosts here. I don't know which one of us wants to be our rough or smooth endoplasmic reticulum, um, <laughs> but uh, but whichever one wants to deal with. The, the production of lipids, I think. I think that we both know that's me, Dan. <laughs> I have yeah, I more than so. enough lipids to go around. Marvellous. Well, um, I would like to thank some of the people who support us, and specifically those who support us at the top cat level. So these are people who pledge $5 a month, and they are recognised as being fans of the superior choice of household pet. Um, I would like to thank Will Jenis Humphreys, Simon P, Rents Kirk, Princess Andromeda, Omar Miranda, Oliver Craigie, Oliver Burkhart, Nathan Flaherty, Nathy Iftikar, Matt Maguire, Lewis Watson, Layla Medina, Jack Easton, Izzy CC, Isabel Ostrowski, Easy, Dan Hanvey, Dame Valerie the Third, Colm Mansfield, Choco Cat, Ben Dent, Andy Hartley, and Abu El Ella, the physics boy. And I would like to say an amazing thank you to our top dogs. And they are Jay Wright, Ben McMurtry, Peter Reed, Colin J. Brown, Alistair Fortune, Eve Sharples, Lexi at Front Desk, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Sam Harvey, Naf Laroche, 
Andrian with an N, Chan. He's nailed it. Ben Caples, Josh Yaga, Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, <laughs> Amy Bonney, and Lexi at front desk's boss. Oh no! <laughs> we have a new. We have a new. Uh, Lexi, you've been rumbled. <laughs> I oh, in that. fact, it was three days ago, in fact. Lexi at front desk, Bosk. Welcome. Welcome to the fold. <laughs> Stop spying on your employees. <laughs> Top lad. So, we've... <laughs> so we find ourselves in Correspondence Corner, and we have a couple of emails to read out to you, and then, as long foretold, we are going to be reading out the third chapter, I believe, in one of our fan fictions that's been written very kindly for us by a member of the community. So stick around mm. for that. Um, I do have an email here in front of me, however, from Eric Christensen, titled IBM 1940. So, um, Eric writes, Dear Dan and Dr. Clark, I just f***ed up saying my own name. Well done. How? Well done. Dear Dan You're and Dr. It. Clark. You're killing it, Queen. Well done. <laughs> God, I'm tired. I'm so tired. Uh, Dear Dan and Dr. Clark, parentheses, author. I am writing to you from Alaska. To, oh, it's, oh, it's Eric from Alaska, Dan. Mm-hmm. How, how could we forget? Uh, I'm writing to you from Alaska to let you know about a not-so-fun fact about IBM. In your most recent episode, you were discussing when IBM was founded as one of the events you had to place on the timeline. This caught my attention since I recently read an article by Edwin Black, link below, on the cooperation of IBM with Nazi Germany. Oh, no. It's both... Shocking to see how a company like IBM has been complicit in such horrible things and continue to be one of the most influential of the sector. And at the same time, it's interesting to see what the company did before the modern computer. Um, that's really because I, I mean, Eric says maybe don't read this out on air, but I, I think that's. I mean, it is. It is really interesting. It's really interesting, and I think it's worth like pointing this out that you know there are, there are so many companies like this who are just in plain sight who you know, have really problematic pasts and especially, especially links with, with World War II. Um, and I imagine after the current conflict, we're going to see a similar thing of a lot of companies that have had links to the Russian state and Russian military who are just going to mm. carry on and, you know, won't make a big fuss, but deal about it, but they're there. Um, mm. And it's a it's a really an interesting example of how messy and complicated trying to live an ethical existence is because... You know, are you being ethical by supporting a company that collaborated with with the the Nazi regime? Like, uh, where do you draw that line? Like, you know, th- th- it's basically the Good Place season three. Um, it's really interesting, and thank thank you, Eric, for for bringing this in um, because it is really really interesting. Um, he does have a sign off by saying, "My next email will hopefully be a bit more cheerful." Keep up the amazing work, Eric Christensen, host of the Wikicast Fake. That's the Swedish Wikicast, uh, and <laughs> signs off with being. 0.1812364 Queen Elizabeth's old. Brilliant. That's a great metric. Absolutely brilliant. Love that. Well done. Can we can we make that our standard metric of time? Queen Elizabeth's. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth's. So she is 95? 95. Uh, she's is she 95? I thought she's older. Nope, 95 apparently. She's born oh. in April uh, she was born in April 1926. So the Roman oh. Empire for example lasted uh, from uh, oh god, I can do that maths. Uh, in my head, that is five hundred and one years. So five hundred and one divided by ninety-five is 
Uh, so the Roman Empire lasted for about 5.27 Queen Elizabeths. Amazing. Actually, when you put it in those terms, isn't that mental? That's actually crazy. That is incredible. Wow. Okay, yeah, we're going to formally adopt the standard measurement of time for the Wikicast and all that lies therein as Queen Elizabeth's. Abbreviated to QE. Yeah. So, so we've had AD, we've got BC, AD, and QE. QE. So, you, so you, Dan, you, you at the now age of twenty-five, you are not point two six three QEs. Amazing. Whereas, so you're not not point two six. Whereas I am a mighty not point three two six QEs. Wow, amazing. <laughs> we have an email here uh, from Charlie, and Charlie says, "Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, long-time writer, first-time reader here. Wait, that doesn't sound right." Apologies if this email is a bit doom and gloom, but here we are. Anyways, I'm a second year physics with astrophysics student studying at the University of York, and it's fair to say that Simon was a factor in me coming to university. I've always been interested in science and space, but never thought of formally studying it until watching the PhD vlogs, so thank you. Ah. With the fanboying out of the way, I'm actually after some advice, as you've both been to uni and may be able to help. It's been apparent that, since the start of the academic year, my mathematical literacy isn't on par with the rest of my peers. Maybe it's due to COVID, maybe it's me. Regardless, I'm starting to feel my degree slip out of my hands. With third and fourth year to come, I hate to think of my grade at the end of it. I suppose I have two questions. One, mainly for Simon, what resources and advice do you have on building mathematical knowledge to succeed in physics? As I have no trouble grasping concepts and being curious enough to ask the right questions. So that's your first question, Simon. Okay. What resources would you advise on building mathematical knowledge? So um, there are fantastic textbooks out there on very particular topics at that level. Um, so Grad Div Curl and all that is a, is a good example of a, a textbook that's all about vector calculus. Um, and depending on sort of the level that you're at in physics, but you will eventually run into vector calculus. Um, that's a really good one. Um, there is another one. I think it's like I think it's called like everything you wanted to know about calculus, but we're too afraid to ask. Um, that that's another good one that I used a little bit um, because I when I started out, I felt like my math skills weren't really good enough compared to my peers. Mm. Um, so so there are specific textbooks that you can use. What I would suggest is is basically doing doing a bit of research for particular topics, because there will be something specific to the level that you're at and the topic that you're looking at, um, and take those out and do a bit of self-directed study, uh, which is something that I didn't do, and I, I was nowhere near self-directed enough. So this is me telling you to go and do self direct yourself basically but you can then also supplement that with online resources so um you know there's there's a bunch of free stuff that is out there for pretty much any individual topic that you might be struggling on i will also say that you know full disclosure i have been sponsored by them and several times and i think they're but i genuinely think they're a very good service uh brilliant brilliant.org has a bunch of resources at that level of maths that i think are really useful in getting to grips with the fundamentals and then you can build on top of it with other stuff but i think as with anything try to attack it from a couple of angles so have the textbook mm. stuff use the online stuff um but be be specific and remember that, especially when Googling, there is no such thing as a stupid question. If you think there's something you don't fully understand, Google it just to be sure um, and take it from there. Absolutely. And this followed up with a second question, which is directed towards the two of us, really. Mm -hmm. And the, the question is, does a bad year slash couple of terms make or break a degree? I have two and a half years left as I'm doing a master's, which seems like a long time until I realise I've been doing this for almost two years already. Ooh. Um. What I would say is that 
you know, there are resources available to you and documentation that will give you an, an indication of the weighting for certain modules and certain years through the course of whether it's um, just an undergraduate degree or an integrated master's. Um, I would say that provided that you feel able to sort of turn things around, um, I wouldn't have thought that it would make or break. I mean, obviously, the the, the waiting for I'm, I'm coming at things from an arts and humanities perspective, um, which will which will obviously be different to sort of STEM. Um, but something that you might be able to do is reach out to, you know, student and academic support available to you at the University of York and perhaps say like, look, you know, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying the course and I'm, I'm having no trouble, as you say, grasping concepts and being curious enough to ask the right questions, but I'm feeling that I'm, I'm struggling mathematically. There might be, um, fourth years or postgraduate students who are offering some form of, um, tutor scheme, uh, where you'd be able to get in contact with them and maybe, you know, do a couple of, you know, one or maybe two extra sessions a week just to just to pick your maths up when you've been um, applying the sort of advice that Simon's given to, I'm sure. But basically, I wouldn't try and let, you know, you, you say that you have two and a half years left, but you realise that you've been doing it for two years already. Um, don't feel like you're ever stuck in a situation that you can't change because you can always change a situation. And it might mean you know, it, it might be a little bit complicated to, to, to change. Um, but, but you're never sort of without options. You, you know, you don't want to feel like you're being pushed and, and, and backed into a corner. Yeah. I, I don't think I can really add very much to that. Really. I think Dan's hit the nail on the head. Um, I will say for sure that just, just to echo what, what Dan said, a couple of bad terms does not a bad degree make, um, yeah. there's always the potential to turn things around. And I think that to believe otherwise is a very, it's a very dangerous mindset because I think it allows you to give up. And there is no, there is no situation. This is a quote from, I don't think we actually talked about this on the show, but uh, Desmond Tutu passed away quite recently. And he had, um, it, there was this interview that he gave that's been seared into my brain. And it was one of these things that he said about, uh, when, when asked, what about, the situation in South Africa with apartheid ending, do you want the world to take to heart? And there's this quote that he said about how that there is no situation that is absolutely, totally devoid of hope. There is nothing that is not transfigurable because that's what people said about South Africa and that it doesn't matter how bad things seem now, they can always get better and there is always a time to make those changes. So don't despair. And as Dan says, look for the, look for the helpers to... To, to quote uh, Mr. Rogers, and there is always a, a way out of this and thing for things to improve. I have one more email here, which is somewhat self-serving, but you'll see why in a second, Dan. It's from Jack Easton, uh-huh. noted patron of, of the show. Um, and he, he writes, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, during my recent visit to Oxford for the 2022 Cats Ball, which is not what maybe it's it's the ball at St Catherine's College. Unfortunately, it's not a ball for cats, which would be amazing. <laughs> uh, but he does say it was incredible. Uh, I add, I happened upon a most interesting discovery within the grounds of St Catherine's. A room. What could be so interesting about a room? I hear you cry. Well, well, well. It wasn't just any old room. It was in fact the Simon Clark room. And he says evidence attached, but unfortunately there is nothing on the email. But I have seen the picture on the Discord. And there apparently isn't it spelled the same. There's no E on Clark. It is the Simon Clark room in an Oxford college. And I have n- no idea 
which Simon Clark it is in reference to because there are a few of us, but all of the other most of the other ones have E's on their names. Yeah. So I'm I I do not know what the story is here, and I might have to find out. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, Jack Jack does say, as amazing as it might be to have your own room, Simon. Uh, I alas, I don't believe this one is for you. Um, mm. But this brings me on to my query, Simon, and also Dan. What would your feelings be towards the prospect of having a room or something after, named after yourselves within a university? Or really anywhere. I mean, I feel let's let's limit this to university. If you could have an area named after you, Dan, what would you want to have named after you? Well, I think rather than thinking what I'd like to have named after me, I'd want to be absolutely sure of the sunk circumstance by which something is being named after me. I.e., <laughs> I hope it's a positive thing. You know, the, um, the Daniel Moore for student room for student mental health breakdowns. Yeah. You know, or, or, or you know, just yeah. I'd, I'd hope it. I'd hope for it to be a positive thing. I don't know. Something like being a you know, having done English and classics and lots of reading. I think a, a library would be really lovely to have a library named after me, or 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 sort of like something akin to a common room space for winding down. You know, um, would be would be lovely. But I don't think I would be particularly averse to it being named after me. What about you? I don't know. I, I I like the idea of having something named after me that people have a definite personal connection to, like hmm. e, e, in the way that we, for example, we we have a connect, a real connection to the the chapel on Exeter campus, yes. and that's the Mary Harris Memorial Chapel. And I whenever whenever I hear that name, I think of positive things. Yes. So it would be nice to have something that has that that elicits that that feeling of people think of this place and go, oh, it's my my happy place. It's my safe place. So maybe a bar. Or, I don't know. I mean, a, a library would be is, is too obvious. I, I'll let you have the library on camp in, in Wikicast University. That could be the Dan Moore Memorial Library rip. Um, why don't you Why don't you inquire when the when the chapel gets a new organ? Why don't you have the Simon <laughs> Clark organ. eight foot flute? It's the Simon Clark organ. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, I, I absolutely that. <laughs> I can totally get involved with that. Amazing. And as alluded to earlier, very, very exciting, um, we are going to resume the the wonderful uh, fan fiction, The Podcast Trials, an interactive adventure uh, written by Cameron. Um, we've been meaning to, to to come back to this for, for some time. Quite a while. But I, I, I can't wait. wait. We, I think if I'm right in saying, Simon, we're, we're now into chapter three. We're into chapter three, and I, I believe the story so far is, um, and I definitely didn't have to look this up just before recording this bit, um, that we were basically engaged in a trial devised by Tim Cook in order to get our podcast to the top of the charts. That 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 was the, that was the setup, and the, and in the last episode, we um, went back to caveman times, and I had to prove my expertise in atmospheric stuff which i failed miserably to do um and then we were we were teleported and whisked away i think if i if i go to the end of chapter two i believe we were teleported away somewhere um and oh that was it we deleted machu picchu from history ah yes of course we did. Yeah, that that was what we did. Uh, so the, so the well, don't, end, don't we? Don't we all? The end of the last chapter was this one's for you, Dan. I hope you know your cathedrals because world number two is based on a book that's all about them. A shame too. We've just spent an hour discussing the weather and now we've got to go to church. Well, that's the wiki cast for you. So interesting. That that's where we're at basically. 
And okay. um, Cameron has requested that I read out and narrate this one. So, But the thing to remember, folks listening at home, is that this is an interactive adventure. So I'm going to be reading it out, and then Dan has to pick a path. It's like an old Goosebumps kind of kind of book. Um, okay. We'll see. Am I reading dialogue at all, or are you going to do it all? Um, I'll do it all. Why not? And then you, I'll give you the, the agency of picking. Lovely. Okay, so... We return to we return to the adventures of the podcast trials, an interactive adventure. Chapter three, monkey. Parentheses, adjective. Sunlight streams through stained glass windows, illuminating a constellation of sparkling dust that drifts about the cathedral nave. Despite their existing naval fetish, Simon and Dan have never seen one so grand as this. <laughs> well done. Great. Very clever. This is this is going about as well as I thought it would. Their whiplashed brains assume an association with divinity. As they take in more of the cathedral, their eyes begin to flash about in search of Patreon money or other signs of heaven. It takes several <laughs> seconds for them to notice a kindly, ageing monk standing quietly nearby. But when they do, Dan takes to introductions like a man born to cavort with the clergy. Salutations, venerable father! Simon rolls his eyes. The monk <laughs> smiles at them. Good day, my sons. Clark, Moore. He extends a wrinkled hand, which Simon shakes, slaps, fist bumps, and wiggles his fingers at. <laughs> of course you do. This is great. I am Prior Philip, says the monk, and this is Kingsbridge Cathedral. I believe that you two are well acquainted with the churches of the future, are you not? Our, ven our mutual friend, the venerable Mr. Tim Cook, sent you here to be quizzed. Quizzed? asked a hesitant Dan. Forgive me, father, but I had hoped that our encyclopedic knowledge might have been of more practical use to you and yours. The prior gives Dan a knowing nod. My son, you must understand that Mr. Cook has sent us many visitors, the greatest religious minds of your day, from the Pope to the Dalai Lama and beyond. We document their vision here at Kingsbridge Priory with the goal of determining the ideal religion. He clears his throat personal opinions aside. Now, I do not know where nor how Mr. Cook intends to implement such blueprints. They are all but complete. Sine colore, perhaps, but the details have passed to Mr. Cook and his team to be sung ab libitum. I have been told to receive you and to test you, and to be entirely truthful, I don't see the purpose any more than you do. What would you like to do, Dan? Would you like to admit that you're as confused as he is, or insist that there must be some way you can help? I think I think we must insist that there is some way we can help. Roger, Roger. The prior rubs his chin thoughtfully. Hmm. Well, I did consider putting your choral knowledge to use. In fact, I spent an entire day trying to incorporate it into the story before tearing it all out, drowning it in gasoline, and torching it with extreme prejudice. But, I think that was a touch of Cameron shining through there, but as I understand it, your last trial was awfully unfair in regard to Dr. Clark's knowledge of physics. Indeed, I hear that the poor man barely had a chance to demonstrate his indisputable anthology of knowledge. I would hate for that to happen to two men in one day. Daniel nods gratefully as the prior turns away to clear his throat. <coughs> Poser. <coughs> now then, says Prior Philip, we have a task set before us. Let us begin the Inquisition. Dan stands tall, ready to be quizzed, as Simon searches frantically for Spaniards. 
Out on the cathedral grounds, many monks and initiates have gathered to witness your trial, excited by the opportunity to test their own knowledge. From just down the hill, you hear the sound of many busybodies in the happy-go-lucky, not-at-all repeatedly scarred town of Kingsbridge. Prior Philip addresses Dan in a resounding tenor. Daniel, my son! (laughs) Peaceful. You'll be presented with 37 questions! One, two, three, four... No, I'm not going to count to 37. To pass through the last two trials, you must answer 32 of them correctly. Your first question is this. With the exception of Italy, where is the baptismal font located in a cathedral, and why? So, you can choose between... It's in the belfry, so that the baptised can be pushed off of the roof if they start convulsing. Mm, It's built in the cellar, so the water might be exchanged for a sweet liqueur after a particularly stressful Sunday mass. Or, let me Google that real quick. Or, wait, I actually know this one. I can't think of any example where the font isn't located at the front of the church, as in where you come in. So I'm going to go with, wait, I actually know this one. Okay. Please follow the link below. Oh god. This immediate there's a are you on this as well? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. okay, click click play in three, two, one. Hang on, hang on, hang oh. on, hang on, give me a check. Give me a sec. Right, okay, give me a countdown again. Right. Press play in three. Sorry, I, to explain for listeners at home, we now have a vi- an audio file that has been included in this, and I'm we're gonna press play together in three, two, one, play. You lie! You lie! <laughs> okay. You have two options. I haven't, got any, I haven't got any audio. Oh, it's um. You'll hear it in the podcast. Um, okay. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll trust. They're you. accusing you of being a liar. Um. So you can go back or no. Seriously, I really do know this one. I mean, in fairness, I've been to a lot of cathedrals and a lot of churches now, and I honestly cannot think of an example where they're not there. Okay, let me go to that bookmark. You lie! It takes you back to the same audio file, Dan. Okay. Or is it... Oh, hang on, is it? No, it takes you back to the same place. (laughs) So I think think it's expecting you to give a different answer. Okay, fine. So it's in the belfry, it's in the cellar, or let me Google that real quick. Let's Google it. Okay, let me Google that real quick. Um, Dan sweats profusely in his ninth favourite black dress shirt. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know the one well. Um, Would it be okay if I... uh, Googled that? Well, says the prior, I don't actually know what that means, so I suppose so, if it won't take too long. Ten seconds and a lucky Wi-Fi hotspot later, Daniel answers the question confidently, if rather sheepishly. The baptismal font is located near the entrance because baptism signifies entrance into the church's community. See? Look, I did know that. You did? You, you, you genuinely did. Thank God. I mean, I, sh- I, really, I really ought to, after all this time. <laughs> The prior is absolutely awestruck. By the Lord, he whispers, trembling, you are a cut above the others. What ability you must have to answer even the questions you do not know. He grips you by the <laughs> shoulders and sizes you up anew. What, what else can you do with this incredible rectangle of yours, young Daniel? Standing on the side... I've never heard, I've never heard it described quite like that before. But, oh, the phone. The phone. Right, he means sorry, the phone. Sorry. Yeah, Standing That's on the, the sidelines, Simon gets a little fed up with all this undeserved attention. He pulls out a rectangle of his own. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, no, not in a church. In a church, no. 
uh, strides up to the prior, pushes his friend gently out of the way and says, if you think that's impressive, check this out. <laughs> it's called Internet Port... And, and there's a... <laughs> Despite your rather limited range of movement, you can barely see Prior Philip and his monks nearby discussing what they should do next. Simon turns slightly to whisper to his friend, Remember how Tim said that we can call in our friends? Do you think we can do that whenever we want? If we can, Dan replies, then now is the time. Let's give it a go. Oh my f***ing god. <laughs> now, you okay. must choose an ally to come to your aid. If you choose the best option, I'll mark it with a bingo so that you can come right back and try the others first if you want to. Despite their cameos being rather brief, I put a lot of work into these. Consider checking them out in your own time. Today, your options are Pyrian, Hannah, and Hannah. Right, well, I'm, I'm going to go with Pyrian. Pyrian. Despite not having had him on the show, yet, Simon and Dan feel a special bond with their podcasting rival Pyrian Flax and decide to ask him for help. Pyrian teleports into the world server and looks around in bewilderment. Well done. Bewilderment. Bewilderment. I can English. Wakanda forever. Um, okay, I've got to... Um, I've got to try and get a Pyrian voice now. What is Pyrian? No, no. Okay, now I'd be very careful with what you do here. I don't. I don't know necessarily whether you need to give Pyrian a voice. I think a normal voice would suit Pyrian just fine. What? Simon, hang on. Hang on a second. He chugs down the rest of his huel. Hey, says Simon. Sorry to interrupt. I hope you weren't recording the Triforce podcast. That's T R I F O R C E, followed by an exclamation point, or in the middle of a game of Dota. Dota? Pyrian scoffs. Dota's out, mate. It's Pokemon Unite all the way down. Amazing. In the distance, Prior Philip and much of his entourage have passed into the cathedral, but many monks remain. They stare at Pyrian, awestruck, and one of them whispers, Brother Pyrian? Could it, could it really be you? Pyrian turns, and Simon reflexively shields his eyes. The noonday sun strikes Pyrian's shiny bald head at an angle most holy, and reflected light explodes from his skin. Incredible. I mean... <laughs> what's happening? Further whispers cut off as a concentrated sunbeam pours forth from Pyrian's scalp, growing as it moves, bounding forth like a roaring lion of light. The torrent of light bounces energetically between the many shaved heads in the courtyard, pointedly ignoring those with hair. And then, finally, it alights upon the great circular window at the front of the cathedral, which bursts into a scintillating rainbow of colour. A great pyre of flame erupts from the belfry and bursts towards the heavens in celebration of an ancient brotherhood brought back to life. Lux eterna luceateus domine. The elderly monk who had whispered turns to face his fellows. The missing Pierce has at last come to light, he shouts, very quietly. Our long-lost brother has returned to us, and the Chrome Domes... Oh, <laughs> for God's sake, that's definitely meant to be. The Chrome Domes are united once again. Long live Chromedom! The gathered monks cheer. Pyrian weeps happy tears as he embraces each of his brethren in turn. It's so good to be back, boys, he whispers. It's so good to be home. The group of monks walk off in joyous chorus and leave you as you are, still stuck in the pillory. Philip and those who were with him soon return, and they resume the discussion of your fate. It looks like Pyrian had more important things to do, but don't be afraid. Your bed isn't made yet, for some other old friend might still come to your aid. 
So now we have a choice of Hannah and Hannah. There are no surnames given. Okay, well, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'll go with Hannah A. Hannah A. Bingo. Okay, right. Hannah Witten zaps into the world server like crashing thunder. Simon greets her loudly. Hannah! Help! Help! Philip is bullying us because I sullied his long-standing lack of sexuality. <laughs> okay. Hannah turns to appraise the elderly monk. You're Philip. Yes, young lady. Now, you and your friends. Prior Philip of Kingsbridge. Uh, yes. Now, listen. The same prior Philip who refused to f*** the marriage of d*** and despite the fact that they were unbelievably into Has Hannah read Pillars of the Earth? I don't imagine it would frustrate her any less if it did me. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What are those beeping? I'm worried there that I'm worried there that what what uh, Fergus is going to do is only is only bleep out the words where you've swear. <laughs> I think you might need to record that line again. No, Fergus, I'll send you a link to this. It'll be very clear. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are those beeping noises? Simon whispers to Dan. I think they might be spoilers for something. The prior is entirely taken aback. Miss, please, you, you have to understand that, that that was all out of my hands. My lady, I... Hannah steamrolls relentlessly over the stammering monk. I am awed, she says. I am appalled that you could think yourself worthy to judge others in the manner of sexuality after what you've done. Simon looks over at Dan as Hannah. What? Simon looks over at Dan as Hannah. I think probably at Dan as Hannah says. Oh, I see. You know, I, I feel like this has been going on for a little too long. Dan raises his eyebrows. What, the lecture? I think it's entirely justified, unlike your ludicrous behaviour earlier. No, I mean this trial. We've been here for like 50 minutes, maybe an hour. Dan begins to understand. Yes, you're right. We can't possibly allow any adventure to last more than 60 minutes. <laughs> Having said that, this is like the longest episode we've recorded in ages. Uh, not even if there were, say, another 10 or 15 minutes of quality correspondence to read out. Let's wrap this up. Hannah finishes tearing apart the prior and poofs back to the real world. And I like this, that Hannah Witten comes in like an avenging angel just to yeah. berate a bunch of monks. Um, uh, an ashen-faced Philip strides up to the imprisoned wikicasters and sets them free. He speaks quickly. My sons, I have a great deal to think about, and I'm entirely unfit to judge your trial in this state. I will inform Mr. Cook that you have succeeded by default. And just like that, Simon and Dan are back in the server room. You remember the server room, Dan? Oh, I remember the server room. <laughs> Tim and Smothers... He says, not remembering the server room. <laughs> <laughs> this was where we were originally sent out to our adventures from. Uh, yes. Tim and his assistant Smothers haven't noticed the boy's silent reappearance. They continue to speak to one another in hushed tones. Uh, I know it's grim says Mr Smothers, but it has to be done. This is just another step towards the fulfilment of your vision. All you have to do is give the order and the technicians will take care of the rest. You're right, of course, says Mr Cook. He sags his head thoughtfully. You always are. Smothers begins to interject, but Mr Cook stops him, having finally caught sight of Dan and Simon. Ah, the victors return! Well done, gentlemen, well done. Smothers abruptly departs, and the chapter abruptly... That's it. That's all he wrote. Wow. Wow. That's all he wrote. <laughs> meta. Very meta. <laughs> that was marvellous. Wow, Cameron. It was certainly something. I just, I mean, that that section of, of 
The noonday sun strikes Pyrian's shiny bald head at an angle <laughs> most holy and reflected light explodes from his skin. Wow. I mean, God, I mean, I just pray that he never, ever hears this. I, I pray that no one ever listens to this, Dan. That's, that's, that's my <laughs> solemn wish every episode. I think it's amazing. Cameron, you're, a, you're an absolute... Legend, I ad- I adore this. This, and I'm I am going to go back and see the other the other. Uh, oh yeah, because there were, there were some paths that we didn't take. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So Simon, what have we turned? Uh, what have we turned this leak? <laughs> God, what is wrong with us today? I don't know. Uh, let's try that again. So Simon, what have we learned today? Today, Dan, we've learned about Mascot, parentheses, Sternwheeler, which was a boat that has an outrageously long Wikipedia article for just being a small wooden boat. Uh, But I found it very interesting, and I hope people did too. Absolutely. We also spoke about um, music, and specifically my my piece of the week, which is Vaughan Williams' A Sea Symphony. Um, We we had a throwback to, to the music of our youth, and I would be interested to hear other people email because we've had a couple, we had one or two other emails come in about sort of the most interesting thing to happen to people this year, which is what we asked people to email in about last week. Mm. I'd be also interested to hear about people's albums that they because that's oh, going to sh- that's going to show people's ages, and it'd be interesting to get that. It's almost like a survey of the Wikicast. Like if you send in, if you email in with what the albums were that you listened to as a teenager, I'd be really, really interested to hear about that. And that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice, join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. The most interesting thing to happen to you so far this year, your teenage album listens, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And and we'll we'll see see you next time. time. Station for power converters. Well, I guess I'm going nowhere. It just isn't fair. Wookie. <laughs> Someone kill this walking carpet. Wookie. Well, I guess you don't know anything about women. About women. <laughs> Daddy, who's your daddy? Oh, love your father. Oh, hey. What the hell are you doing? Pixel Girls just walked in. Ah, classic. But like, <laughs> yeah. You okay? <laughs> you also only heard one side of that. Dan is also singing with me. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>